Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. Thank you for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. The purpose of this podcast is for us all to learn about new topics. The idea initially was that if we could just learn enough about a whole bunch of different topics, we could hold a conversation with anyone about just about anything. Exactly. And we think this is a really useful skill for you to be able to have. You can use it in all different walks of life, all different parts of day-to-day life, such as a job interview, down the pub with your mates, or just speaking with one of your best mates. In this pod, we'll cover a wide range of topics and we'll hopefully introduce you to either new topics, books or concepts that we think will be useful for you to learn. Yeah, it's, um, it's probably quite important we should tell everybody as we do, uh, we are not experts in any of the subjects we cover. This is just a summary of the research that, and the reading that we've done this week. We do all the hard work and then we share with you, hopefully, some of the more useful parts of the information for you to know. If we can help just a few people be more comfortable talking about different topics, then that would be absolutely brilliant. Sounds good to me. Let's share some knowledge, shall we, Ollie? Definitely. This week, we will be discussing Mount Everest. So then, Liam, this week, Mount Everest. Do you just want to tell everybody what we're doing this week in terms of the format of the podcast? Yep. So we decided that it would be quite interesting if maybe just a couple of times in a series or a season, whichever one we're going to call it, one of us chooses the subject and the other one just has to do whatever that subject is. Because all of the other ones we've discussed, haven't we, and agreed yes. beforehand, yep. um, you know, the eight or nine that we wanted to do. And then these are just ones that just we're doing regardless. So this week I chose totally randomly Mount Everest because I thought that'd be something quite interesting to read about. Yes, and you told me at the end of last week's episode, which means at the end of this week's episode, I'll be telling you my choice for next week. And then what we're hoping for, aren't we, is that one of the listeners will suggest the final episode of the series before our wrap-up episode, and uh, we will do anything that any of our listeners suggest. Definitely. So So if you're listening now and you've got any ideas or anything you'd like us to cover, hit us up at two guys one topic either on instagram or twitter and let us know what you want us to cover it'd be the listener's choice episode that could be totally random though couldn't it so (laughs) obviously if we only get one suggestion and that suggestion is pineapples we'll be doing pineapples (laughs) all right come on so we, we always talk about at the beginning of an episode what was it that we thought we knew about it. So shall I go first and let you know what I thought I knew? Wait, mate, go for it. So it turns out I didn't know all that much. So I thought that it was a, the Mount Everest was the tallest mountain in the world. Part of the range of mountains in the Himalayas, you get to it from Nepal. And that was probably about it. Super tall mountain, but it turns out I didn't even get that right. Oh, spoilers, spoilers, save it, save it, save it. Um, <laughs> How about yourself? What did you know? No, I'll agree. I, so I picked this because I, I randomly thought that I would just, I don't know what it popped into my head and I thought I'd just Google some information about it, then realised it'd probably be, make a good pod topic. Yeah, basically the same, just a tallest mountain in the world. It's in Nepal, China sort of area, in the Himalayas, and that's about it. 
went into a little bit of a rabbit hole like we tend to do each week, just yes. learning more and more stuff about stuff. But I can tell you this much. If I was in a pub with somebody, I could hold a five minute conversation about Everest. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely the same. Where is it you would like to start with talking about? So historically, let's let's smash out the, the important history stuff. So okay. Everest wasn't actually recognised as the tallest mountain in the world until 1841. So it's not even, well, I mean, the mountain is obviously more than 200 years old, but as far <laughs> as being the tallest mountain in the world, I guess nobody knew it until a survey team led by Sir George Everest uh, realised that it was the tallest mountain in the world. And then about 24 years later, it was named after him, obviously, as Mount Everest. So um, they originally called it Peak 15, didn't they? <laughs> I don't know. Did they? So for some, some random reason, they just named it as Peak 15. And then, as you say, it was named in 1865 in honour of Sir George Everest um, because he had passed away. Um, so, yeah, it was in, in his memory that they named it. So a pretty cool thing to have named after you, right? Well, I mean, yeah, imagine if there's Mount Liam somewhere. I don't think that exists. <laughs> uh, so it borders, um, it borders, it's on the border of China and Nepal. So um, you, you can get to it from either of those two places. I think we'll, we'll go into this a bit later, but the vast majority of people go there via Nepal. Yes. Um, so when we're talking about this, that's probably where we are sort of talking. You can do it from China, but I think it's just logistically a bit harder. Yeah. Um, that's right. So, and I, I read about how it was actually formed as well, talking about the history of it. And it was due to plate tectonics. So yeah. the, you know, on the, the plates that are underneath the earth that, that move around a little bit. So there was a huge tectonic smash up between the Indian and the Eurasian tectonic plates, which took place about 50 to 60 million years ago. If there are any geographers listening... Is it officially called a plate tectonic smash-up? <laughs> they can have a smash-up and they make up a mountain. If um, it's not, if it's not, can we try and get that into the syllabus? Yeah, I'll mention it at school tomorrow. <laughs> right, that, that's so it happened. So yeah, so it was, it was the, the Indian Eurasian plates came together and that's how all mountains are formed. So 50 to 60 million years ago, and it is actually still increasing in height today isn't it yeah it is so they measured it in about 1955 as 8848 meters and then 20 years later china said that it was 8848 meters and 13 centimeters but then 30 years after that in 2005 the chinese government i don't know what you would call it the chinese something Officials? came out and said it, sorry Chinese officials? Officials, yeah. They actually came out and said, actually, it wasn't 8,848. It was 8,844. And then it was actually smaller. Did you read why they said that? Yeah. So they they were saying, should you be taking into account the snow and ice that's compacted on the top of the summit? And they took their official measurement as just the rock itself. That's why it then declined from 8,848 to 8,844. But... I was reading how it managed to grow 86 centimetres last year. It, yeah, so just towards the end of last year, China and Nepal both jointly, finally, because I think until that point there was sort of dispute over how tall it really was. Yes. Uh, they both came out and said that it was actually 
8,848 meters and 86 centimeters. And that is, as of today, the official height. Yeah. So there was a, a lot of work went into it and using all the latest technology. I was reading about how it's not just taking into account where is the summit of the mountain, but where does it start from the base as well? Oh, yeah, so okay. they were having like some discussions about that. And yeah, some, some super cool technology was used to take this really that, a- accurate reading. That height is about 29,000 feet, which is getting on for the same height that commercial airliners fly at, isn't it? <laughs> which is unbelievable. <laughs> That's properly high. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's a super high mountain based in Nepal, between Nepal and China, and originally discovered to the for the western world at least obviously it'd been there and and all of tibet and china and nepal knew about it but discovered by sir george everest in 1841 so when did anybody climb it so people had made a number of attempts to try and go up it if i just say that the first successfully recorded attempt was 29th of may 1953 and that was by sir edmund hillary from new zealand and Tenzig Norgay from Nepal. So yes, Ollie, that, that is right. Um, they did climb it in 1953, but there were there is an interesting story um, that we both messaged each other about from about 30 years before, 1924, yes. George yes. Mallory and Andrew Irvine were claimed to have summited the mountain, weren't they? Yes, yes. So they were last seen on the 8th of June, just below the summit, they were a few hundred meters below the summit. And then shortly thereafter that, they then just disappeared. But their bodies were found. Only one of their bodies. Yep. One of their bodies. Only, I think found, it's only George Mallory's body. Was found a little bit higher up from where they were last seen. So people don't know if they then actually made it to the top. And then it was on the way back down that something happened to them and yep. they just completely disappeared. Or did it happen soon after? And there was a bit of evidence that they said that they were looking for. Did you come across A camera. That? He had like um, a yeah. disposable camera or something, and they, they've never found it. But they did, something they have found or realized, he spent every expedition with a picture of his wife that he was going to put on the top. And when they found his body, he did not have the picture of his wife with him. Oh, really? So they think, well, obviously people have got different opinions. One opinion, one school of thought is that he did summit, put his picture of his wife up there because that disappeared. And um then fell down or, or something on the way back down. But I guess if, if you're in a pub quiz or something, the, the official recognised climbers are 1953, Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzig Norgay. And it was, it was um, the same day or it was, it was in the paper the same yeah. day as the day that Elizabeth II became queen? Yes. Or was coronated? I think, I think they climbed, did they climb maybe the day before and then it was in the press over here, it would have been the next day. Um, yes, I yeah, think that's right. That's, someone feel free to correct me on that one. Um, I think that's that's pretty true. But but, but pe- people have been trying to climb it, haven't they? There's been loads of unsuccessful attempts of people yeah. trying to get up. And and you was it you? They people originally only started climbing it because Tibet opened up the ability to do it. Yeah, it was like in the twenties, just before these George Mallory and Irvine went up. Isn't it early? 20s yeah tibet opened its borders to the north but yeah nowadays nowadays there's about 600 people summit every year approximately these numbers are are pretty they're not as solid as they could be i guess um but that is about half of the number of people who have bought permits and who are attempting to summit okay 
Um, so yeah, it's a, it, those numbers are a little bit loose, but about 600 every year. I was reading about the, the youngest climber ever is a 13 year old. <laughs> they called unofficial. Jordan Romero from the USA. And I think it was in 1995. So it's only, only recently, but he will always have that record forever because Nepal has agreed and China have agreed that the minimum age now of climbing is 16. Oh, oh I'd read 18. It's, yeah. So it's, so it's increased. So he will always have that record forever. And wow. then the oldest climber was a Japanese guy called Yuricho Miura, who was 80 years old. Sheesh. But read- sadly, sadly, he then died in 2017 while attempting to reach the summit once again when he was 85 years old. So he died up the mountain. Wow. I didn't make it, but it's a pretty dangerous place, isn't it? Yeah, there's lots of dangers. Um you know, typically the, the, the worst two are avalanches, obviously. Um, I think we all know what that is and what they are. Um, avalanches, general exhaustion, um, falling over, uh, just falling from being tired, falling off because you're tired. Yeah, nobody, I don't think anybody dies. So you read a lot about oxygen deprivation and, you know, the fact the oxygen is thinner up there. So you've, I read somewhere 97% of people use oxygen tanks. Almost everybody uses oxygen tanks. Yep. Um, but if you do, if you do become oxygen deprived, um, you, your decision-making is not so good because um, okay. your, your body's working differently. Um, it leads to confusion and things like that. And that's where people trip, fall, hurt themselves, you know, die, I guess. <laughs> but there are, is it around 200 people, 300 people that have died up there? Yeah, so I'd read more than, well, again, these numbers are quite, because it's a combination of China and Nepal trying to agree things, I guess, and one saying one thing, but it's about 300 people have died trying to climb Everest. But did you read that most of those bodies are still up there? Yeah, so we were saying there's even a picture of people on a trail and there's a, a dead body next to them. and it seems to be that, you know, it's, it's too dangerous to remove bodies once they're up yeah. there. Yeah. And so it's, um, that, yeah, they end up staying up there. Yeah. I said to you, it looked like one of those clickbaits, doesn't it? It looks fake. It looks like that. Yeah. That can't be real that that person is dead. And yes. then everyone's just walking past. <laughs> but yeah, oh, wow. the vast majority of the dead bodies are still up there apparently. Yeah. Um, Which obviously isn't funny. And yeah, those poor people that have yeah lost their lives attempting trying to climb it. But yeah, pretty crazy. There's 66% less oxygen at the summit than there is at sea level. And wow. yeah, it can really impair your, your decision-making abilities. So how do you climb it safely? Did you read about something called siege climbing? Yeah, but yeah, go on and tell me about it. So this is a, a mountaineering technique and it's, it's based on the principle of climb high, sleep low. So what you do... You basically, you climb a bit, set up a camp, but then you move back down to where you started from to sleep at night, to acclimatize. Mm-hmm. Yep. You stay there for a few days and then you move up to the next camp and then you climb a little bit more, set up a new camp, move back down. And then you, so your body is always acclimatizing nice and slowly. Yes. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I read this camps are established along the route every approximately 450 meters of vertical elevation. And they are designated camp one, camp two, camp three, camp four, and so on. So you 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 sleep at camp one, you climb to camp two, set it up, get it ready, move back down to camp one, 
stay there for a little while. Yep. You know, like actual days, not not when I say a little while, it's not like a night, it'll be a few days, then yes. you move up. Yeah, yeah. So was, yeah, I read the, the other term for it was you climb in rotations. And exactly what you're saying, just to acclimatize your body, because I was reading that it's it's not possible for humans to permanently live above five and a half thousand meters. Okay. Because when you're not getting enough oxygen, your body actually starts wasting away. Okay. Because you're 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 not getting the oxygen to feed your body that you need, and you're actually starting to do damage to your body, which is again why you then need to have the oxygen uh, and the oxygen tanks with you. So yeah, when you start going above five and a half thousand meters, but Everest, as we've already told you, is eight thousand eight hundred and forty eight meters. You do climb with Sherpas, though, don't you? And we yes. mentioned earlier that Edmund Hillary, when he scaled um, Everest for the first time, he had a Sherpa. Tenzig Norgay with him. Um, Sherpas, they're an ethnic group, aren't they, from Nepal? Yes. And they are famous for their ability to climb and live and survive at very high altitude because they've done so for so many thousands of years that their bodies have adapted. So they are the people who you climb, who who they lead the way, they carry your gear, they're they're experts at it, they've got loads of experience and understanding of the mountains and things. So it's really important that the vast, vast majority of people that climb Everest go with a Sherpa. Absolutely. And unfortunately, there was a big earthquake in 2014 where there was, it was a 7.8 magnitude on the Richter scale earthquake. And unfortunately, there were 16 Sherpas that were were killed in that accident, which is yeah, a pretty sad day. Yeah, one of the dangers. So um, I think everybody listening is going to think the same thing we were thinking when we started researching this which is, how am I going to get up Everest? Yeah, definitely. And you'll just get there, you'll walk up it, you know, it'll be really cold as you're going up, right? So it'd be a yep. you know, cold few days getting to the top of it. Right, just quickly on the walking up it, I did read that it is actually relatively easy as far as climbing goes to, to go up Everest. You, yep. you know, you don't have to be climbing up a sheer rock face and like free climbing and like, do you know what I mean? Like you're in yes. cliffhanger with Stallone or something. You don't have to yeah. be doing that. <laughs> yeah. It is relatively straightforward. And these Sherpas are ahead of you setting up any ladders and ropes that you need. And yep. all you've got to do is it basically, have you got enough money to do it? And are you fit enough to do it? Yes. Yeah, that's right. And you, you, so you need to put training in, but should we say how long it takes you to climb it? And this was a complete, this was a complete so, shock to me. I, had no I would idea. like everybody listening to just 10 seconds and have a little think. How long do you think realistically? And you could probably, you could probably make it a bit more than you think, and you probably still won't get it right. How many days? What did you, what did you come up with? So I was thinking you're probably looking at, a, I don't know, two weeks, two week round trip to get yourself yeah. over to Nepal, get up the mountain, back down. It'll be quicker yeah. coming down. Yeah, obviously. Then fly home. Two or three weeks. But it's not though, is it? It's like two or three months. <laughs> yeah. It's mental. It's absolutely unbelievable how long it takes. Way longer than I than I'd imagined that um, So you fly into here. Kathmandu in Nepal, so that's quite straightforward. Get on Google right now, get yourself a flight to Kathmandu, get yourself to Kathmandu. Then you've got to get on another plane, don't you? To a place called Lukla, which is an an internal flight from Kathmandu. Then you've got a trek to base camp, which takes how long? Was that the one that took 10 days, 11 days? Yeah, so you're 10 days before you've got to base camp. Yeah. Now, at that point, you're pretty much there, aren't you? Because you're, you're base camp, isn't that like right where the mountain is? <laughs> I think you've then got another 39 to 41 days. 
yeah and get yourself um, so, from base camp up to the summit yeah because because of this siege men, um, siege mentality because of this siege climbing uh, these rotations that you mentioned uh, because you're going up down up down up down up, trying to acclimatize i was on a website where where because we'll, we'll mention this in a minute but you can get like full-blown tours of everest yes. where like a company will just arrange the whole thing for you yes their their itinerary from day 17 so this is the point where you've got to base camp takes so they reckon it takes from leaving say london it takes 17 days to get to base camp total that includes yes. everything else but then it says day 17 to 58 <laughs> <laughs> so 41 days so six more weeks you're basically going up and down and up and down the mountain between these camps. But Liam, before everyone rushes off now and they, they pause the podcast to go and book their flights to Kathmandu, is it worth just saying how much it costs? You need to have some pretty deep pockets, don't you? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that you need to worry about. Um, uh, 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 there's a guy called Alan Arnett, and if you go onto his website, he blogs about the prices of how much it costs, and he's done so like 19 seasons, he's called it in a row, he said the cost of this. Very quickly, some of the costs, a permit you've got to pay in Nepal just to go up the mountain, a bit like a ski lift pass, $11,000. They insist you employ a local team to arrange it, $2,500. You have to have a Nepalese liaison officer, $3,000. You have to pay a refundable trash deposit, which is not always refundable, $4,000. You've also got to hire a local Sherpa, $4,000. Supplies and gear, $7,000 just for your gear. That's if you buy it brand new. Oxygen, $3,000. And then you also have to pay for your Sherpa's oxygen as well, don't you? Yeah, Sherpa's oxygen, that could be another $2,000. Your insurance can be up north of $3,000. These numbers, just getting to base camp, he reckons costs somewhere between two dollars and $8,000, depending on how you fly there. Yep. Um, also, getting to base camp, you've got to get all your gear from Kathmandu Airport to base camp, where you might need to hire yaks or porters. That can cost you another $1,000. <laughs> So, so did he come up then with an average of... Yeah, the, av- the average cost is $45,000. And, and the variation, there's, there's an average because it's... I read it, can, you can sort of do it from about 30 to about 100. And it depends on how much support you have and how private you want your tour to be. So the more you pay, the more exclusive. You can have your own Sherpa going up, trekking at your own pace in your own tent with some more of the luxuries. I think we were saying that it's possible to have Wi-Fi. Yeah, Wi-Fi or satellite phones, things like <laughs> yeah. that. You can um, have, you know, nicer food and everything. So that's where you get into the the, the, the really high end. If you're with your own Sherpa, for example, you're going, you're, like you said, you're going at your own pace. You're not reliant on the rest of the group. And if somebody's ill in the group, then you've got to wait a few days yes. or, or anything like that. But yeah, he, he reckons that... So what you can do is you can get an agency to sort this for you. So a bit like I just mentioned, all those costs, they're all individual costs that if you had to sort all of that out would be a bit of an ache, wouldn't it? You wouldn't yes. much enjoy having to sort that all out, but you can get these agencies to do it. And they they obviously then going to take their own cut. Um, and it's average $45,000. I went on to one of the bigger ones. Um, they're called Alpine Ascents. And one of their ascents is $70,000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, it'd be amazing to do, though, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm sure you, you and I, we're the type of people that would love to go to the top, 
but I just hadn't realized how much it costs or yeah, how long the, it takes to yeah, do it. Just, you know, this $70,000 though, you do get two nights accommodation in Kathmandu, all your food, unlimited access to a doctor, all transportation, all Sherpas, all equipment. Like, <laughs> you know, you get everything. They will sort everything out for you. All your Sherpas go ahead of you. So it's worth saying, like, ropes and ladders and things are not there all year round no because there, there's so, an optimal time to climb isn't there so i was really surprised looking into um, a couple of photos there's a there's a picture from i think it's from 2019 where you've got a couple of hundred people queuing to get up to the summit they're right yeah. at the top of everest but there's a, a couple of hundred people queue waiting to go up have their picture at the top of the mountain and that's because there's a particular time of the year when you do it isn't there yeah it's the last two weeks of may almost exclusively because of weather you need less snow no rain in the monsoon seasons and stuff so essentially everybody flies out to Kathmandu or to china and tibet in sort of march time they spend all of april acclimatizing on the mountain first two weeks of may doing the same thing going up and down up and down and then around the last couple of weeks of May, they're just waiting for the weather. And then, you know, as soon as they've got three or four days of decent weather, we're pushing for the summit. But obviously, yeah. everybody does it at the same time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all these 600 people that are up the mountain this year are all going to push within days of each other. So you end up with a bit of a traffic jam. Yeah. And so that's where you're saying that the Sherpas then, they set up the equipment for that climb season. Yeah. And then take it down again afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, have you got what is it, basically three months? Oh, also, yeah. So saying that, by the way, you know, you have to go in May. So, you know, depending on. Yes. I, I teach, so I couldn't do that. I couldn't take three months off. No. I mean? People won't be able to. I can't take all of March, April and May off because that's the only time you can do it because you, you cannot do it in September. Yes. Um, but yeah, 70 grand or 45 grand. It depends, you know. Yeah. Some of them are saying up to $160,000. Wow. But, but you know, they, that, that'll be like, they fly you to Kathmandu first class. So your flight out there already is 10 grand more than it needs to be. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, if you've got right. that, then... Uh, but no, it seems, it seems incredible. And there's, there's not that many people that have done it, is there, in, uh, in reality? I think there's about 4,000 people. And I think that even includes the multiple attempts at some Sherpas or yes, multiple it, summits that some of the Sherpas have had. So... You know, it's, it's a pretty exclusive group to have got to the summit of Mount Everest. Yeah, but they are worried, aren't they, moving for, moving into the future that too many people are doing it and they, they want mm. to try and make it even more exclusive. So it's very likely that the costs are going to go up. They're also going to request that you've got specific mountaineering experience. So you'll have to have climbed, I don't know, other mountains around the world or, you know, evidence of the fact you've been up some other ones and things like that. They should um, probably make you climb another one in Nepal, one of the other peaks. Then that'd be some additional tourism for them. Peak 12. Yeah. <laughs> you must go up nice. peak 12 and nine. Then, uh... But so it, it's super interesting. Yeah, brilliant topic. Is that everything that you wanted to say about it before we get on to our two guys, one topic takeaway? Yeah, man. I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, yeah, I ho hopefully that's as interesting as I found it. I, I thought that was dead interesting this week finding out about all that stuff i would definitely like to have a go so i I've, i have mentioned i'll mention them again alpine ascents if anyone from alpine ascents is listening <laughs> and they want to they want to uh you know like we said they could come on and talk to us if you want to come and have a chat with us let us know how right or wrong we were then great if you want to fire one of us up the mountain no problems 
<laughs> what's yeah, your great. what's your two guys one topic takeaway liam all right so everest is the tallest mountain above sea level in the world but it is not the closest to the sun interest in this isn't it uh, okay so because the earth is not a perfect sphere and it's got a bit of a bulge in the middle you know it's that funny little yes. bulgy shape like a squished orange there is actually a mountain in ecuador mount chimborazo which is which is nine thousand feet lower than everest yeah it's actually closer to the sun because of the nature of how the earth is shaped nice. so if you were stood on top of Everest, there will be people closer to the sun than you in Ecuador. And just going back to what I was saying earlier, you can maybe squeeze in a, another two for one on your two guys, one topic takeaway. It's not actually the tallest mountain either, is it? No, there is a mountain, Ma Mauna Kea, on Hawaii's big island, which although it's only 13,000 feet above sea level, it is actually another 20,000 feet under the water. So as, as a mountain itself, it's actually about a thousand meters higher than Everest, but most of it is under the water. So actually it's not as high out of the water. Yep. So Mount Everest isn't the tallest mountain in the world, but it is the highest summit. Yeah. But you're still not the closest to the sun. Exactly. Go take. <laughs> okay. And then my two guys, one topic takeaway is... This is a little bit of a two-parter as well. Sorry, squeezing in a two-for-one. The rock at the summit of Mount Everest is marine limestone. So they've managed to look at it and have a see what the rock is made out of, and geologists have you know quantified it. But it means that that rock was deposited on the sea floor around 450 million years ago. So it's been <laughs> taken all that time to get from the sea floor. Wow be compacted and get all the way up to the summit of Mount Everest. Wow. And then just to try and put into perspective how tall that is and how far it's had to travel. So the world's tallest building is the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, and that is 829 metres high, which means that Everest is more than 10 times that height. So if you've ever been to Dubai, if you've ever been up the Burj Khalifa or seen it, um, it is over 10 times higher. That is a very tall mountain. <laughs> wow. Super high. And that's why it takes, that's why it takes three months to climb and cost you 45 grand plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks for that. That topic, Liam. I really enjoyed it. It's now looking forward to my choice. So, so at least choice so, for next week. Disclaimer. I don't know what this is. All right. So hope this is interesting. So my choice for next week is space junk. The space junk. The stuff that's floating around. Don't, don't give it away. Don't, don't give it away your pre-thoughts. We'll do that next week. Cool. All right. Right, everybody. Thank you for listening about Mount Everest. Hopefully you're going to sit with some mates somewhere and maybe mention one or two things about what you've learned. Have a little five-minute conversation about it. I'll speak to you next week. Share some knowledge. Thank you for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the Mount Everest episode. As you know, that was Liam's choice. We've got my choice coming up next week, and then we would love to have a listener's choice in two weeks' time. So please get in contact with us at Two Guys One Topic on Instagram or Twitter, and let us know what it is that you would like us to cover as a topic. Get out there and share some knowledge. <laughs>